Figure facts for life. We just want you to be healthy. Health and happiness. If you pay attention to what goes in your body, you'll be amazed at the results. Fuel, nourish, and heal your body. Eating healthy. Well, well that's everything. Put the right fuel in. Take care of your engine. Here's Roberta Janeiro. Here's Roberta Janeiro. Roberta Janeiro. Welcome to Figure Facts for Life. I'm your host, Roberta Gennaro. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist with over 30 years clinical nutrition experience. I am committed to share my wisdom and the knowledge of my colleagues to help you better understand how to nourish, fuel, and heal your body through the foods you choose. Well, we're in June. Can you believe it? (laughs) And this month is Alzheimer's and Brain Health Awareness Month. I don't know how many of you have a loved one or a friend with Alzheimer's or some level of cognitive decline. But what I do know is it's a challenge for many family and friends to manage living or interacting with their family and friends with Alzheimer's. So with that, I wanted to bring on my colleague, Christy Tangney. We used to work together at Rush Medical Center here in Chicago, and she is a professor there and does a lot of research in this area. So Christy, I want to welcome you back because this is the second time you've been on my podcast. Yes, I'm very pleased <laughs> to be here. Right. And um, and let me ask you, did I leave anything out? Do you want to share with our listeners other stuff you're doing over there at Rush? Well, I, of course, as what happens with many of us as we um, get mature, uh, we also take on more administrative roles. And I also am the associate dean for uh, research in the College of Health Sciences. And my primary role is to help facilitate and make it easier for other researchers in our uh, college to um, acquire funds and, and to conduct their research with with uh, greater ease, if you will. Okay. But my love and my passion has been nutrition my entire life, as you well know. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and doing the research, you know, and you're so good at it, too. Let's get right into it, okay? So there's been so much information on Alzheimer's over the past decade. Like, how has the information and interest in nutrition evolved with respect to Alzheimer's disease and other cognitive disorders or neurodegenerative disorders? If you look back for the last two decades, we've made great strides in trying to reduce heart disease. And yet now we face probably the biggest challenge of our medical system, and that is um, the fact that we have a tremendous aging population in from 2015 to 2050, we're going to have a proportion of older adults that was roughly 12% to 22%. And it's going to be a tremendous burden on our healthcare system. And that coupled with the fact that probably for the last maybe almost a decade now, mm-hmm. we've had a number of clinical trials which represent the highest form of scientific evidence for a particular treatment or or therapy of negative trials with various um, uh, drugs that have not worked in in halting or mitigating the memory loss that occurs with Alzheimer's disease. I see. And that, you know, and, and if you look at anything, the one most important um 
factor that contributes to dementia, whether it be Alzheimer's, whether it be stroke, whether it be Parkinson's disease, is age. So once you exceed 65, that those number of um, disorders become much more prevalent because it basically represents um, an inflammation and a challenge as our systems break down. And I guess I think finally the time of nutrition has come in many ways because I think the understanding is our medical care system can't handle it. So what we need to do is empower individuals to um, eat and be uh, live healthier lives that not only help them with regard to cardiovascular disease, but also with regard to brain health. Right. So I think that's where we've moved. And there's been calls for that for a long time. That's why we have this Medicare for all, all these things, because we know how uh, we just can't manage. Right. We know the big challenge that's coming coming on the system. Absolutely. Actually, I was looking at one of the statistics and 5.6 million Americans over the age of 65 have Alzheimer's and actually under the age of 65, about 200,000. So, you know, it is time for the word about nutrition and how can we slow the aging process, decrease inflammation in the body so that we are not having this manifestation of disease later in life. When we talk about epidemiology, we're talking about what we know and what we at least feel are strong risk factors, both positive and negative, things that protect against thing, uh, Alzheimer's and what doesn't. And that is because we don't have the clinical trial data to support a true cause and effect. So we can only... Um, suspect and generate new hypotheses. So much of science, it takes a long process. So we start with animal studies, and then we go to these observational studies. And and you and I both know that we have lived in the time of the observational cohort, the nurses' health study. Those kinds of studies have been popularized, but they have their limits also have to be recognized. They generate new ideas about preventive strategies. And so the risk factors that are really strong besides age are the presence of a particular genotype called APOE. The other things that are really strongly related is uh, insulin resistance, things like high saturated fat, poor diets, low physical activity, the kinds of things that we basically are dealing with heart disease. I and see. in fact, a lot of people think Alzheimer's is a type of diabetes. It's Instead of how we usually know we have type 1, type 2, and a lot of people think that diabetes 3 is Alzheimer's disease. Now, there's a lot of controversy around it, but without a doubt, you and I both know, Roberta, that mm-hmm. the early stages of diabetes enhances the risk for heart disease. Oh, diabetes absolutely. is what we call a heart disease equivalent. So if you have diabetes, you have to get under control because it's likely that the thing that might work if you're not under good control is a heart attack. That's the next step. So, you know, vascular um, obstruction, um, inflammation, as you mentioned, all those kinds of things are very key to the development two or three decades later 
of Alzheimer's disease. So and, so what about the diet with Alzheimer's disease and looking at this cardiovascular disease and diabetes, say in the past decade or so? Are they saying that because of poor diet, people are actually, you know, years, so it's, you know, diabetes we know is kind of an insidious disease. So it's wreaking its havoc and it kind of is really for many people runs under the radar. They may not even know they have it for a, for a while, right? right. And right. so it's it's wreaking its havoc for potentially years, decades, and if if you're not going to a doctor and getting tested or screened somehow for elevated blood sugars, then you don't even know you have it. Right. You may just that, think that. you're tired or, you know, you have some of the symptoms, but you just think, oh, it's because I'm getting older and you kind of blow it off. So I think, you know, back to um, a shout out for getting screened and and visiting with your physician at least once a year to Absolutely. get a blood test and make sure, you know, your engine's running efficiently and all the parameters and the levels that they look at are looking good. Absolutely. In fact, you know, when we talk about uh, these various things, epidemiology, there was a there's a very massive, large study going on. It's called Regards, which stands for Reasons for Geographic and Racial Differences in Stroke, and it looked at seventeen thousand blacks and whites. And one of the first things it found was that this Southern diet. The Southern diet was very responsible for stroke. And, of course, with stroke comes cognitive impairment as well. It's just a slightly different section of the brain, but it still has impact. But getting back to the diet issue, right. um, Southern diet, of course, is very high, high in fried foods and very high in sodium. Yes. Um, it's unfortunate. It's very heavy on certain meats. I mean, there's a lot of lean meats and lean fish that's out there, but that's not the classic Southern diet. A little bit more processed meats as well, possibly? Absolutely. You're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. Those processed meats. So what we've learned, not only from the cardiovascular and diabetes area, is that there's not just one pattern out there, but the one that's probably had the greatest um, impact has been, and I think we spoke of it once before, is a Mediterranean diet. And that Mediterranean diet has had tremendous impact on reducing cardiovascular endpoints, particularly in Spain. But then others have tried to describe that in um, various um, observational cohorts of older adults. We did that in 2011. Um, Slightly earlier than us was a group of individuals um, in New York who described um, older black and white individuals. And if they were more, they were closer following a Mediterranean diet, they were less likely to decline rapidly and develop Alzheimer's disease. So you know what? I don't think it matters, black or white. I really think that it really boils down to what you're putting in your body. The fuel you're putting in does matter. And also, if you have genetic propensities towards heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, right? Because that's genetic as well. I, I think that you have to realize genetics loads the cannon. It doesn't set it off. We set it off by the foods we choose. We set it off by the lack of physical activity that we, you know, um, 
don't engage in. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so I think I we mean, have to take ownership for the fact that, you know, think about it. I always, I like to use this analogy with my clients is, you know, if somebody gave you the keys to a Ferrari, would you put sugar in the engine? You know, I mean, no, you'd be putting the best premium fuels you could find. And and that's the message. I think that's so key is premium fuels first, fruits, vegetables, olive oil, lean cuts of meat, fish, unprocessed meats as much as possible, baking, broiling, not frying. You know, these are these are just concrete things we can lock into and know that we're going to be better off health wise for doing that. Right, Christy? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, translating that message into your daily routine is not the easiest. But you know, one of the things is is to to get the support of dietitians, get the support. There's various um, um, smart apps out there that uh, dietitians can recommend to help support you in this effort. And of course, doing those kinds of things with exercise. I mean, there's been a generation of um, apps that have been uh, promoted that are very helpful to the individual. Like right now, I'm in a working women's trial, and it's all about walking. So we're tracking. I have my buddies, and we're all competing with each other in a way <laughs> just to keep our steps going. But right. in fact, a lot of studies haven't spent a lot of time talking about how diet and physical activity work together. And there are a few big clinical trials right now looking at this, specifically trying to look at folks that are very high risk because of familial risk or because they have a poor diet or because they're overweight, that they're at higher risk for developing Alzheimer's disease, and they're assigning them to these studies, some of which are diet only and some. There's one here in this, uh, there are actually two in the Chicagoland area, one known as MIND that I was very much involved in designing, and some of my colleagues and fellow dietitians are involved in. Now, the MIND mind diet. What is that an acronym for? Is it an acronym for something just, or is it just because it's referring to like the diet for your brain? Well, it's a little of both. Okay. But yes, it is about the brain. And that was what we coined for it largely because we wanted people to recognize the idea that um, it was Mediterranean based, but the D also stands for DASH. And both those diet plans are so, so similar. The only issue that's slightly, well, there's different amounts, but the other thing that uh, really, I think, speaks to a slight difference is the emphasis on berries. And part of that was based on animal studies that showed that um, memory and executive performance of rodents was much improved when they had a berry-enriched diet, and also because of some observational um, findings in studies like the Nurses Health and some of the ones that are done here in Chicago showing that berry consumption is associated with slower decline. So now a big trial is on going where people are given these kinds of foods to see if we can in fact change the decline. We I can see. actually slow Now the that berries decline. the berries that you're referring to in the studies is it a particular berry or is it all berries? You know, it's interesting you ask that because Again, when you do, first of all, when you do observational studies, it's very, usually berries are an item in which most of them are lumped together. Okay. Um, When you look at the animal studies, it's been mostly blueberries and strawberries. But that doesn't mean that just because it hasn't been tested, these other berries may not have 
um, also similar um, protective properties, properties yes. right? Right. Right. Because many of them are extremely enriched in a specific class of polyphenols, which there has been some very interesting short-term data showing improvement in cognition in individuals who have very enriched either berries or the other one that comes to mind, which is another class, is chocolate right. and cocoa. So okay. a lot of these uh, you know, the short-term studies have to be borne out in a longer clinical trial, which is what's ongoing. Um, there's been some secondary analysis of that Spanish uh, Mediterranean trial over six and a half years showing people that were more adherent to a Mediterranean-type diet had much better uh, cognition at the end of six and a half years. And then there was a big Finnish trial called the FINGER trial. And the reason why I like the finger trial, it's healthy diet, but it's not necessarily Mediterranean. It's, it's healthy, low fat, um, uh, lots of fruits and vegetables. What percentage of fat, Christy? Um, well, no more than 10% saturated fat. Okay. And again, the Finns have had a tremendous change in their heart disease uh, prevalence and incidence. Like that was probably one of the countries that had the highest rates and they intensely changed their diet. And so this trial was so interesting because it was a multi-domain um, intervention where they did diet, they did exercise, and they did cognitive training of older people interesting. against a usual type uh, follow-up. And okay. within two years... They showed tremendous improvements in memory performance. Fabulous. Now, that, that trial is going to be replicated even in the United States. There's oh. going to be a version of that in the United States, but it's going to be a good five, six years before we get any answers. But these are all good things for your heart anyway. So right, this, exactly. You know, so yeah, so let's let me just ask you before we wrap um the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association have released statements about brain health in 2017 what are these uh experts recommending Basically what we've talked before um is uh cardiovascular health behaviors they talk primarily about promoting healthier behaviors overall for your body and they they have a the American heart has put out a, a thing called life simple seven I don't know if you've heard it, about it yeah. Roberta, but and you could probably so, access that on their website absolutely okay. it deals with you know like healthy diet with physical activity non-smoking and maintaining a healthy weight and then keeping certain things under control like your blood pressure the one thing we didn't measure uh, mention through this whole thing is as we talked there are a lot of people who are unaware that they have diabetes a lot of people are unaware that they have hypertension which is another precursor to cardiovascular disease and cognitive decline so okay well with that christy i want to thank you for being on today again just a wealth of knowledge knowledge and information. And please keep us posted on uh, the trial when it comes to the U.S. because I'm sure there's people in the area that might want to be involved in it and they might be looking for people to be part of that study. So I want to thank you again for being here today. Thank you for listening in to Figure Facts for Life. And please stay connected with us on Instagram and Facebook, Figure Facts LLC, all one word. And we want you to stay in the know so you stay healthy for life. I'm Roberta Gennaro and ciao, ciao for now.